We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house of warning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Ludwig. You're listening to The Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. The off-season edition, as the Thunder season is officially over, we are so recording weird. this. Yeah, we're recording this Wednesday night, May nineteenth, right before Lakers versus Golden State Warriors. That's going to be a hell of a game. I cannot wait to watch. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I've got Taylor Peterson along with me. What up? I also have Nick Crane here. We're only eighteen minutes late. Guess who's the re- <laughs> Nick? Taylor, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor time is a real thing. We got to start telling Taylor 745 before partying at eight. Then it'll actually it it is a real it. thing. And it's not just podcasting. It's like a real thing everywhere. Sure. Summer love. Uh, <laughs> we are recording this live on the locker room app. Shout out to everybody that's in the room with us tonight. Uh, drop your questions, hit that request to speak button as we go through this pod because we'd love to get you guys on here. For those of you listening to the podcast version, we appreciate you. Also, you should download the Locker Room app. Come hang out with us. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the entire off season, so it's going to be good stuff. This week, our first Wednesday night pod of the off season, we are starting a little mini series, a five week mini series. Over Thunder player grades, this week we are starting with 
the centers. So we're going to do centers. Next week will be power forwards. The week after that, small forwards. The week after that, shooting guards. Then point guards. And conveniently enough, after we do point guards, that leads us right up to whenever we do that Wednesday night show for point guards, we will be about five days away from the draft lottery. And then immediately following that, we are dedicating uh, Wednesday night shows and some Sunday shows and whatever else to draft prospect uh, evaluations. And so I'm super excited to do that as well. So we've got a ton on the off-season docket for you. We're, we're not going anywhere, like it or not. We are here to stay. Gentlemen, before we start grading centers, though, announcement today. Nick dropped it in the slack for, uh, for the uncontested yes. hosts earlier. Summer League is back. Let's go. I cannot wait. I am so excited. Bye. Hey, speaking of... Uh, maybe this is a little peek behind the curtain. I don't know. Maybe I'm not allowed to say this. I don't know. Uh, I don't think Nick or Taylor heard it, but on our podcast network, Blue Wire, little, uh, little hangout call today, uh, they specifically said that they're going to send invites to all the NBA podcasters oh. to come out to Vegas. Hell yes. And, and record in our new live studio in the Wendy yep. Casino. Yes. Exactly. And we're going to have happy hour tomorrow. at the casino. And I think uh, that those first few days out at Summer League is before I have to report to school uh, for for getting back into the classroom teaching. So I'll be able to go. The The pod coffers are filling up with gold coins. <laughs> Not really. We're broke as shit. But, <laughs> boys, we might be taking ourselves a trip out to Vegas this summer that to cover awesome. Poku, Cade Cunningham, Jonathan Kaminga, <laughs> Teo. I'm ready, and they're all they'll all be in a Thunder jersey. By the way, I love it, love it. You think that's exciting? That is incredible. Uh, we actually we had this planned last summer, also. Although that was before Blue Wire, Blue Wire kind of blew up and got the uh, the whole partnership with Win. Uh, Win yep, betting. That was also before casinos. someone ate a bat and started a <laughs> exactly. And yep, so. yep, and we didn't get to go. So I'm really excited to do it this year. Absolute blast. Same. Um, all right, gentlemen, let's dive into some grades for the Thunder Centers. So tonight we are covering Mike Muscala, Al Horford, Tony Bradley, Moses Brown. Now, as we move into like power forward, small forward, shooting guard, there's going to be some crossover and we're going to have to decide kind of where to pigeonhole some guys. But tonight's pretty easy. Those four players are very clearly centers. Uh, the only other one that could have made the list that we're going to push back to probably the power forward week is Isaiah Roby. He did play minutes at center this year, but I think we're going to do him as a power forward instead. But before we start giving out grades, this is an important thing to me, and I think we need to clear the air before we do this five-week miniseries. Oh, wow. Rumble that uh, supposed really to be- once in the room. I didn't know if that was supposed to be a rumble. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I that's thought my door Taylor to- just... Fell off of his chair or something. Um, nope, that's my dog. We have to decide, like, how are we grading players? Um, as a teacher, uh, grading students is a, kind of an interesting concept as well, right? Do we grade off expectation versus what actually happened? Do we grade off uh, certain benchmarks? Do we grade off value for contract? Like, Nick, how? What? what are your thoughts on how we should go about conducting these grades. Um, 
I think I think uh, benchmarking versus expectations is a is a good start. I also would like to throw in the contractual piece because it's kind of like a bang for your buck type thing. Like if, if you're yeah. producing a ton on a small contract, I see. No, I think that's totally fair. So, um, and you know, we could also gauge this off of grading on current value versus project, projected future value. There's a lot of things here. So it's going to be interesting to see where each of us land with our letter grade. Um, we can do pluses and minus, like A plus, A minus, B plus, B minus, if you guys want. Uh, I don't know if I will do that. But with all that being said, let's dive in. Uh, we're going to break down each player a little bit. I think we're going to talk expectations, performance, stats, their growth, their impact on winning, their contract, all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> we'll discuss each player, and then at the end, uh, we'll each give our own like personal grade on their report card. So we are going to start off with Mike Muscala. So Nick, why don't you lead us off? Just give us some of your thoughts on Mike from this season. Obviously, didn't play a ton of games. Yeah, I think I think Mike he deserves a little extra credit for um, not just what he said in exit interviews because, like, obviously that was a huge deal, but that it spoke a lot to what he did throughout the season. Um, like the epitome of a team player. He's on a minimum contract. He was for the past two seasons. I think just the the character he showed, um, obviously he was one of two guys over the age of 30 on the team. Um, That's a pretty crazy stat. <laughs> it's, it's wild. And both, of, both him and Al could be gone this summer and they're the only guys over 30. But um, I, I just think that what he showed the young guys, of course, on the court, he was also excellent. Like he was a guy that clearly could have helped a contender. He's nearly seven feet tall, was, was knocking the bottom out of three pointers all season long when he played. Um, but I think that character shows a lot. A lot of these young guys, they're anywhere from 19 to you know, 22, 23 years old. They have been the best player on most every court they've stepped on for the majority of their life. That's why they're in the NBA. And just seeing a guy that's that humble to say, you know, I like the organization that I'm at and um, I'm willing to help the team in any, any way that they ask me to, whether that's on the court or off the court. I think that that lesson in itself is huge for the young guys from a maturity standpoint, from a leadership standpoint. So on that alone, um, like you said, I don't know if it makes sense to give like specific grades yet until we talk a little bit more, but, but I, I viewed Mike as a player and as a person as a definite, definite positive for the team this season. Taylor, what do you got? So I, uh, <laughs> so you, Jacob and you're like, we you saw out your Excel sheet. You just kind of gave us like some examples and then put like an et cetera at the end. So I just kind of thought, I kind of took this in the same way for those of our, uh, longer term listeners who listened to us back during COVID and stuck with us. Um, speaking of somebody eating a bat, Jacob, <laughs> Jacob and I did um, during the, the break and play from March up until the play in bubble. I'm sorry, not the play in bubble. That's a habit. Um, recency bias, <laughs> just the, the bubble in general. Right. And then the leading to the playoffs, but Jacob and I uh, ranked all time thunder players um, by position. And so, obviously, uh, we were using a, a numerical system there. Now we're doing a letter grade. Um, but I use those same, those same, I guess, uh, not stats, but categories that we used for that. Um, so I looked at counting stats. Um, consider the defensive impact. Again, there's not a ton of, 
of defensive stats, but I think that will come into play when we talk about guys like even like specifically Moses Brown. Um, you have advanced stats, locker room impact, and I, I love the fan favorite. Um, how, how do they – and maybe that kind of goes with the locker room, like Nick was mentioning, uh, Mike Muscala's um, uh, exit interview that he had. But when I look at, at Mike – his shooting was pretty incredible <laughs> this year. Um, 57.3% field goal efficiency, which actually isn't his highest. He he shot 57.9% field goal efficiency. I guess that was 14, 15. Um, more attempts this year. And something I found interesting, I was looking at his minutes played. 645 minutes was by far his most with OKC when he came over. Uh, or I guess when he's last year, he only played 572. So even though like they set him for that like post all-star break um, when we were the quote unquote tanking, he still played more minutes than he did with that team last year. And That's I think incredible. to, right, right. So to Nick's point, uh, keeping that professionalism, um, you know, wanting to stay in OKC post trade deadline. I know Andrew Schlecht asked him about that and that's been reported uh, by Zach Lowe of ESPN. Um, I think when it comes to like locker room impact, you have to give him an A plus there fan favorite. I think he's won over a lot of fans, Fans' hearts, I probably would give him, uh, especially this season in a tanking season. You could give him an A there. His counting stats aren't quite as impressive as I thought, um, although his defense did, I think, improve this season and kind of surprised me in terms of the leaps that he took from the previous year. Um, so I, I maybe would give him, just based off expectations in terms of defensive impact, would probably give him like a B minus, which seems high because his defense isn't like a high point by any means. But again, I think he really surprised him that end. So taking all those things into consideration, um, I'm probably giving Mike Muscala like a B minus on the season. Um, again, he did some really good things, kind of tough when he didn't play after the all-star break, essentially. I know it was a little more than that. Um, but I think a B minus is probably a pretty fair assessment, giving all those factors into consideration. I like that. Um, you know, interesting thing that both of you guys have mentioned that I guess I just have a pea brain and haven't put it together yet. But <laughs> Mike has come out and basically said that like he requested to stay in Oklahoma City, that there were probably offers for him, and uh, but he said he wanted to stay. Uh, same thing with Kenrich Williams, another guy who mm-hmm. we've had reports that there were offers from, from contenders but told the Thunder that he wanted to stay with the organization. Uh, something to that, I think, for sure. Uh, I agree with a lot of things that you guys both said about Mike. He shot 37% from three this year. Um, This conversation feels like it happened so, so long ago. But do you guys remember the talks we were having on these post-game pods about how much Mike's defense had progressed? Yeah, no, absolutely. I kind of have flashbacks to that um, when we talked about it because, again – He's not one that's going to have like the insane stats. Um, but there was a reason that the Thunder were able to play him um, as as a center <laughs> with some of yeah. those lineups early on the season. He had he was what was his block rate this year? Uh, only zero point three blocks per game, but it felt like he was blocking more shots. He was contesting at the rim. Uh, he was really good in pick and roll defense. Like I thought, the the most impactful thing from him this year was his defense, actually, uh, which is a huge step forward for him, considering you know he's kind of known as as a three point shooter averaged the most points per game of his career this season uh, and played one game short of exactly half the games of the season uh, he was at 35 games in a 72 game season 36 would have put him at exactly half if my math is correct there i think it is so really solid season for mike yeah i i give it up to the dude uh 
Nick mentioned it, just a total professional. The the stuff in the exit interview was was really good stuff. You you gotta love the guy. The, the interesting thing is he is a free agent this summer. Uh, something's going to have to give with the Thunder roster. There's only so many spots available, and they're bringing in, you know, it's possible they bring in four rookies, two first-rounder guys and two second-rounder guys. And so uh, something's got to give with that roster. It'll be interesting to see if Mike gets back. But, Nick, you you kind of punted on what what exact grade you were going to give Mike until we discussed a little bit more. So where are you sitting at now after this, after the discussion? Um. Part of the reason I punted is because I'm working on player grades for for a story right now, and I know I'm going to give a grade here, and I'm sure my grade will be. Is Nick there, and I just can't hear him? Can you guys hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, sorry, I must have lost Wi-Fi for a sec. Um, yeah, I, I did punt. Um. I'm going to give Mike, all things considered, I know there's a bunch of different factors we talked about. He's kind of a unique case. Um, but all things considered, you know, cheap contract, did a lot for the locker room. When he was on the floor, he was excellent. When he was asked to take a different role, he was open to doing it. Um, only made Oklahoma City look like an even better franchise with his comments. Um, for a different reason than I'd maybe give Shay a high grade like this, I'm going to give Mike an A-. minus. Um I think Taylor gave him a B minus. I'm going to give him a B plus. Uh, I think B plus is. Uh, I'm going to split the difference there. So, I think it's. I think it's a fair grade. I mean, he's a guy that's hard to judge, but I think anywhere from B minus to A minus, like I gave, it's it's a solid range, and it it's it's a compliment to him. He he had a great season. Definitely, and Nick, you had mentioned he's one of the only two guys over thirty. Uh, he actually won't be thirty until July first. So younger than we even thought he was. That is actually so shocking. Maybe maybe I meant maybe I, I was looking this at the maybe it's thirty next start of next season. Is that is that right? Based on what you said? Yeah, yeah, he'll be thirty at the start of next okay. season. That's that's what it was. I was I was talking to um, actually Cameron in that last locker room session, and and Mike would have been the only thirty year old on the roster if he were to come back, assuming Al does get traded, which is likely is, is what I was thinking of. Yeah, uh, Mike Muscala, a year younger than I am. That makes me feel old. You just dated the hell out of yourself. I know. I hate it. I'm on death's doorstep, Nick. I'm, I'm about Kenrich Williams' age, and, and that's old for this Thunder roster, but <laughs> younger than you. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, I'm, at least I'm not the oldest one on the podcast. That Justin owns that one. So, <laughs> oldest, uh, tallest, and wisest. Okay. I don't know about that last <laughs> one. but All right, Nick. Let's move on while we wait for uh, – for Taylor to get out of the abyss of the internet. Um, Next one, Al Horford. This one I think is going to be fascinating for us to, to discuss and dissect. So I don't even know where to start, Nick. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say the name Al Horford and then I'm giving you the floor and letting you run. So go for it. Yeah. Al, um, relative to last season, I think he played a lot better. I, I think you would agree. I think Taylor would agree. I think anybody would agree. Um, agree. Playing, I'm back. <laughs> um, playing, playing center, which is the the position he should be playing at this stage in his career. Um, he's, he's still great. I mean, they were trying to slot him into power forward alongside Embiid in Philadelphia. It didn't really work. I think if anything, this season showed that Al can still be productive on both ends of the floor. If you play him the right way, um, you know, he's kind of pinned for having a fairly big contract. I think if you look 
again, relative to the rest of the league, what he's getting paid is really not that much for what I think it provides. Um, he might be slightly overpaid, but at the end of the day, like for what he's giving you both as a veteran um, playoff experience and then on court production, I think he's, he, he's probably paid about what he deserves. If you put him in the right situation on a contender as like a third or fourth option. Um, all that to say, before he was shut down, which um, was interesting in itself, and I'm sure we'll touch on this here in a little bit, um, I would give Al a, a solid B. I mean, he was excellent on the court, um, was was a great pick-and-pop guy. Jacob and I talked about this quite a bit. We we miss the, the pick-and-roll, the lobs, the, the finishes with, you know, Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, those types of guys in the past. There wasn't a ton of that this year. But it was pretty cool to see Al Horford pick and pops, kind of stretch the floor. He's that modern center that the Thunder have needed for such a long time. It's funny. There's a lot of guys this season that you think, man, if the Thunder would have had this guy mm. back when they were contenders, Kenrich Blue Williams, Dort, Kenrich Dort, Williams yeah. Al Horford, Mike These Muscala. are the guys that they've been needing for a long, long time, uh, albeit their roles would have been different if they were on those contending teams. But I, I think Al did an excellent job. Um, I think he definitely – not as much as Chris Paul, but he has revitalized his image. I don't know how much how much you get back for him in a trade this summer, but I don't think you you end up paying for him to get off your con- off your books like Philly had to with Oklahoma City. So it's a win win. So this is really interesting, Nick. To your point, I'm looking at his counting stats, and it's not that he necessarily had like his best all around season in terms of counting stats this year, but like I look at his three point attempts, for example, and this really stood out to me. 5.4 three-point attempts per game yep. this season in the, the games that he played prior to being shut down. Probably, Before probably that, four from the top. Yeah, right. So yeah. 5.4 from uh, three-point attempts uh, this season. 4.2 last season. Season before that, three. Season before that, 3.1. Basically, you can go all the way back to 2015-2016. He basically averaged three-point uh, three shot attempts, or three three-point shot attempts from 2015-16 um, up until – basically last season before that he didn't even average one attempt per yeah, game it's 0. 0.5 0. 0.4 0. 0.1 uh yeah that he That's makes a wild. jump from 20 after the 2014-15 season he started shooting threes so 36.8 percent from three on 5.4 attempts this season um field goal efficiency of 52.8 i mean he really did have a really solid offensive um offensive impact on this team i think in terms of what we expected and even just staying healthy. I mean, granted when he was playing, um, I think all those reasons, I was really impressed with Al Horford continue to remain professional. Um, I think the young guys really like playing with them. I think like overall, I probably would give him a B. Um, nothing that just like blew me away, but um, overall I'm pretty pleased. And like you, I, which one of one of you guys brought this up at the beginning of the podcast. Like if Al Horford were to stick around, I mean, maybe it's before we start recording, but if he were to stick around into next season, like, is that the worst thing ever? If, if you land a top five pick, I like, I could see him really contributing in, in that case. So, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised, I think, without Horford overall this year. He, he was actually asked that question. And, and I still think it's, it's one of those, like, when you're asked this kind of question, you can't straight up say, Hell no. Like he's not going to, he's not going to answer it that way, but he was asked if the thunder do, you know, end up getting two top five picks and maybe they use a lot of that cap space they have to sign more guys that are actually going to 
make this team competitive next year that could be going for a play-in or a lower-end seed in the Western Conference, would you consider sticking around? And again, I don't I don't think he would ever, any player really would ever straight up say, no, I would not come back here. He was like, you right. know, I, I would consider it. I think if, if that's something that happens, like we'll talk about it and, and go from there. Um, so it's hard to take that with more than a grain of salt, but I think you bring up a good point. Like what if, if the Thunder land... Cade Cunningham and Jonathan Kuminga and then they do some sort of deal and sign like Alonzo Ball and restricted free agency and, and give him a huge contract like you are you're gonna be competitive if you keep yeah yeah absolutely yeah his 14.2 points a game that's the most he's averaged since 2015-16 uh, the 36.8% from three is his second highest mark of his career. Uh, if you don't count like the year he shot a hundred percent from three, cause he probably shot one of them, right? Uh, his, it's his high second highest on volume. Um, his 52.8 effective field goal percentage percentage is really good. And you have to remember he is, he was doing all this. On a, I mean, yes, he had Shea next to him, and I think that played a massive, massive role. But, I mean, you guys remember those nights where Shea didn't play and Horford did, and they ran the offense through Al, and he was incredibly productive at age 34 um, on a team that didn't have a ton of spacing and on a team that didn't have a lot of playmakers. Um, so I just look at it as like, we always discuss this idea that somebody has to put up stats. Somebody has to score the ball. Somebody has to rebound the ball on the team, right? Somebody's going to rack up statistics, but man, like this is the, the efficiency is a little bit different to me. And he had a great season and great efficiency on a team that, you know, I, I don't think was uh, super suited to, to what Al does. And so So I, I definitely think he he won't be back. I think they will be able to find a trade for him. Um, But overall, for his season, I I think Nick hit it on the head. This was another reclamation project. It wasn't to the level of Chris Paul because Chris Paul is like, you took the old rusted falling apart car. And then whenever you came back to look at it, it's like this beautiful like 1967 Mustang with a brand new paint job and perfect engine and everything. It's not quite that. Um, but it's incredibly serviceable. And I, I think they're going to be able to find a trade home for him pretty easily. I am going to give Al, Big Al, uh, a B plus. To I your he point, Jacob. Really, really good this season. Um, like I, I obviously expected the advanced stats not to be great <laughs> because, again, who he was playing with, playing with some of the younger guys that Thunder weren't necessarily trying to win, et cetera, et cetera. But this is something I found really interesting. His usage percentage, um, his use, usage rate, 21.6%. Um, his next highest was back in 2015, 2016 with the Atlanta Hawks. So to your point that you mentioned earlier about running some offense through him, um, obviously having him on the floor a little more, I, I just, I find that really interesting. I, I'm not sure I really expected to see that when I was looking at some of those advanced stats. Yeah. If you look at his per 36, his rebounds, his points, um, both would have been uh, the highest since the, uh, 2013, 2014 season. Um, wow. All yeah. back with Atlanta. Yeah. So, uh, he did, he did really, really good stuff this year. Uh, his block number 1.2 per game, uh, per 36, not per game, per 36. Steel is 1.2 per 36. Like just a really, really solid NBA veteran. And he, uh, 
I don't know. He, he was just really good for this team. I want to ask you guys before we move on, uh, give me one team that you Ooh. think might be an Al Horford landing spot. I've got one. I do too. Go ahead, Taylor. Hopefully it's not the same. <laughs> Golden State Warriors. Mm. That's a good one. I love I like that. Yeah, I, I was thinking that even before the trade deadline, even though they didn't really have a ton to give up. Yeah, the problem is the matching on their end, the salary matching. Hey, we'll pick back up under killer Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Nick, what's your team? Um, I'll, I'll caveat this by saying I would not make this move if I were this team. Um, but I think they're absolutely desperate and their fan base is saying, get us the hell in the playoffs. The Sacramento Kings. That's my That's team. a great one also. I've talked about this a little bit. It just it seems like it makes too much yeah. sense. I mean, he they Absolutely. they need that veteran that is proven and can and can do something in that locker room and help these guys get over the hump because they've they got need a defensive minded big man. And they, and they've got a lot of young talent. Rashawn Holmes is awesome. Like don't get me wrong, but there's there's some issues there. I don't know how Luke Walton's coming back to coach next year. But I think even if even if they give up something super small, and you you got to make the salaries match too. Like anything is net positive for the Thunder, even if it's like a couple second round picks and salary filler or uh, a late first or whatever it might be. Like they've already been paid for Al. I don't think they should be picky on 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 his destination as long as. And and this is another theme that we've talked about before. Presty likes sending guys where they want to go. I don't uh, yep. know if Al would want to go bring to Sacramento, up. but if he does, like it makes. Yeah, maybe he will want to go to California and just for, like. For, yeah, for the salary matching purposes, uh, I talked about this on a locker room about a week and a half ago. He he and Buddy Heald make almost the same amount of money. And we know Buddy Heald wants out of Sacramento. Uh, Buddy Heald was traded for with the prior Sacramento regime. Uh, the, the new front office may not be married to the idea of Buddy. They already have enough guards on that team. They have De'Aaron Fox. They have, um, you know, uh, uh, Tyrese Mack, or not Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, they, they have kind of the guys they want to build around. I can see something like that happening. I don't think the Thunder want Buddy Heald uh, on that contract at that age with that type of player. You know, I think they'd like to reroute him somewhere else in like a th- in a three team yep. trade or something. But uh, salary wise, again though, like that, <laughs> and we keep coming back to this. And I, I don't even know if the Thunder would even do this because we know how Sam Presti acts, and he's um, conservative in the right way. Not that he's not aggressive in, by any means, but. If the Thunder were to land two top five picks in the dream scenario that all of us are hoping for, right, in this upcoming draft, you could do something like that and get a Buddy Hilt on this team. Now, I understand that, you know, if you draft two guards or um, if you, you draft even another guard in the top five, maybe you don't want Buddy Hill taking minutes there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whatever. Regardless, like, that's a guy who can help you compete. There's just so many more options mm-hmm. that, that it's just super fascinating to me. And I think I mentioned this this trade idea to you guys, but like a uh, an Al Horford and a Darius Baisley for Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley the third. Yep. Because it yep. sounds like Marvin yep. Bagley the third might be on his way out this summer. No doubt. I, I don't hate so that. Imagine <laughs> you get one of those wings in the draft. You get a Cade. You get a Jalen Suggs. You get a Jalen Green. Uh, you get anybody in that top five besides Mobley. You could bring in Marvin Bagley the third as a reclamation project as another young guy. The only worry about him is he is up extension eligible this summer as well, just like Shea. So, Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC, maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, let's uh, let's move on from Al Horford and go to the starting center of the Oklahoma City Thunder, Moses Brown. Moses, we've had let, Nick lead us off on these discussions say, in the past few ones. <laughs> well, yeah, it, let's, it, let, let's you, let Taylor kick you us got off. Screwed on one off. of those because my computer froze up on me, but all is well. Um, I'll start off with Moses. He really did surprise me for what it's worth, um, converting him, even when he was on a two-way, uh, but converting him to a full contract. Obviously, the contract is is another very friendly one. Um, a lot of non-guarantees built into there. Uh, the Thunder don't have to move forward with him if they don't want to, or they could guarantee next season and then trade him off somewhere if there's a team interested, if they want to throw him into a deal, whatever it may be. Um, so to Nick's category of contract friendliness or just the contract in general, obviously very fair, very team-friendly. Um, but there's a lot of things from Moses that surprised me. Obviously, I, I think a lot of this can be summarized with his aggressiveness. Uh, for his size, you know, I, maybe we're just used to like the beat who was here um, <laughs> around his height, um, but just not super aggressive or assertive. Where Moses is very much the opposite. But again, the concerns really stem from his ability to do anything outside of the traditional big man post-play, both on defense and offense. Can he guard in the perimeter? Not definitely not yet. Um, can he, does he have a jump shot? Not at all. We don't even see a ton. Like occasionally we'd see a, like a hook shot from him, a baby hook or something, but 
not even often that we'd see that. A lot of it was cleaning up around the rim. He's a major lob threat. And obviously on the other side uh, of the court, he's he's a great rim defender, but um, not necessarily so much, like I said, perimeter defender. So um, just based off expe- expectations um, overall, what I was expecting from him, he definitely blew those out of the water. I think he's he's shown that in the right situation, if he continues to develop, he's worth taking a gamble on the right situation um, and could be a decent like backup center uh, in, in a way, almost think like a Nerlens Noel type role, even if it's not the same kind of player. Um, so I'm probably going to give him a, man, I keep giving B's out, but maybe that's generous, but I think a B just based off expectations alone. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably higher on Moses than the rest of the crew. Um, not, not because I think he's going to be like a starting center at any point in his career, but Think about Thunder history. Like you've had your Ennis Cantors, like you've had some you know, your Nerlens Noel. You've had some solid backup centers, um, but there's a lot of years where that wasn't there. And I think for what he's making, um, you know, it's right in the ballpark of one point seven, one point eight, one point nine. It kind of escalates by like a hundred k each year. Um, most of those non-guaranteed deadlines are December 1st. So you have flexibility to waive him and save a bunch of that money at any given time. Um, based on that, like he averaged nine and nine this year. I know yeah. almost nine and nine. I know that's, that's maybe empty stats just he was starting on a team like this, but even like per 36, he did that in 20 minutes a game per 36. He's averaging something like 15 and 15, on you know almost fifty five percent from the floor, you called it fourteen point five points per game, fifteen uh, rebounds. That uh, that was pretty spot on, Nick. It's 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 impressive stuff. I mean, he, he, I think his ceiling is pretty evident. Like he's not a skill guy that you see developing a three point shot or like a ball handling ability or anything like that. Um, but just for a solid backup big at less than two million a year. I know that it's easy to cut him if if roster spots do need to be cleared, but I would like to see him on this team long term in a backup role. I mean, he he's a, he's an absolute beast on the boards. Like Oklahoma City was an excellent rebounding team all year long, large part due to this guy. Agreed. Definitely has, like I said, that instinct and that aggressiveness. He and he uh, positioning. You know, I, I think that's big for a center, and he certainly has that. Think about the situational type of aspect too. Like, again, this is not comparing him to this player, but like Boban, there, there's been a couple of teams in the playoffs. I know it's easy to play a guy like that off the floor, but throughout the regular season, a lot of the teams Boban's played for, like the Mavericks this year and, and the Clippers in past years, et cetera, et cetera, like he's given quality minutes. And when you're playing against teams that like to go big, it's not bad to have that versatility. A lot of people are going with the small ball centers these days. It's not bad to have you a big old seven, two guy off the bench to. If he can guard the perimeter, <laughs> that's what worries me. I guess. Hey, what do you think? The, yeah, I'm going to be the dissenting view here. Uh, and, and I'm okay with that. I will, I will stand on this hill by myself uh, and defend it with my sword. I don't mind. <laughs> Here's my thing with Moses Brown. Uh, and, and, you know, Nick, I think you make a really compelling argument about like the role he can play in the situational role at the price tag that he currently has. Um, it's a good value at the price. But he plays a role 
that I think at best is situational uh, and I think will only become more rare of a situation where you want him on the court as the league progresses over the next few years. And do you want Moses Brown taking that roster spot or do you want another player that's more uh, skill-based taking that roster spot more? Maybe it's a wing, maybe it's a guard, maybe it is a big, but um, a a more skilled uh, big versus, I mean, nothing against Moses Brown personally at all, uh, but his game is, you know, very fundamental. He's a big body uh, who can block shots, who moves very slowly, and who has no offensive game whatsoever. Uh, we're starting to see uh, over the past couple of years now, the Thunder are shifting more towards skill-based players versus those athletic freaks. And Moses Brown is not an athletic freak, uh, but he is just physically a freak. Um, he he just, to me, doesn't fit what the Thunder are going towards. Um, I think he is at best a liability defensively. Um, yeah, he can block some shots. You know, he had seven blocks against the tanking Clippers on the last night of the season. But whenever teams actually want to like score the ball against Oklahoma City, it's a pretty easy decision of you put Moses Brown in the pick and roll because either he's going to play 10 feet behind the pick and roll uh, and let the ball handler shoot a wide open three or let the pick and pop guy shoot a wide open three or he's going to step up to the level of the screen and just get blown by every single time. He just he doesn't have the foot speed, the quickness, the skill to defend, I think, the modern NBA. He doesn't have an offensive skill set that overwhelms, uh, overwhelms you enough or overwhelms the other team enough to make up for those defensive liabilities. And, I mean, again, nothing against the guy, but there's a reason he was in the G League. There's a reason why... Uh, you know, he he didn't play whenever he was with Portland. There's a reason why the Thunder put him on a really cheap contract and made it non-guaranteed. If I have to bet right now, I mean, I don't feel super confident on it, but if you made me bet $100 on it right now, um, I'm taking Moses Brown as not on this roster opening night next season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's a reason outside of the Lou Dorts of the world. There's a reason guys go undrafted, right? Like he was uh-huh. he was the same size with the same skill set in college and went undrafted. Mm. So it, it's 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 one of those things. Maybe he just had a Cinderella season. Um, maybe the Thunder just signed him, similar to the way they signed Charlie Brown Jr. Just and to, Gabriel Deck, right? Yeah, just just to just to do some things to shake it up and evaluate talent and see what happens. But um, no, I, I could definitely see both sides. Like like there's there's no chance he turns into the next, you know, Clint Capella. But there's also um, there's also a good chance, like Jacob said, he's not on the team next season and. If he doesn't get picked up by another team, he could be out of the league in the next five years, right? So it, it's he'll be yeah. a great player in Europe, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and I mean he dominated the G League, right? He was first right. team all G League, and and part of that is because it's just the at the NBA, it is a different level of athlete. It's a different level of skill than even the G League, uh, the European leagues, whatever. Uh, and and it is a massive step up, and it just it doesn't feel like. That that is his spot, um, Nick. You also mentioned, you know, his points and rebounds and and whatnot. Uh, you know, I, everyone's going to have their own opinion. To me, though, those are just very much empty calories. Those are again, someone has to score, someone has to uh, rebound the basketball. You're, yeah. you're not going to get zero rebounds okay. in a game. Someone has to do that type of stuff. And uh, so, t- to me, that that's just kind of where he is at. Um, nothing against him, but I would probably give Moses like. 
I don't know, C minus or a D for the okay. year. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he will be back. Uh, that's just my personal like belief. Uh, I think they would rather use that roster spot for uh, somebody else. They, you know, the next if, Moses Brown two way, right? Like coming exactly. out of the draft. And, and you mentioned you mentioned the contract as well, you know. And uh, I think the Thunder are in the in the era of hey, let's pay guys, right? Uh, what's the worst case scenario? Like, what, what's the downfall to paying Moses Brown this year and giving him three years of non guaranteed money? Uh, and, and you decide to cut him. Okay. No loss off your back. And you just made his agent very happy. You just made that guy's life probably. Um, and you still maintain roster flexibility. Um, I I think there's maybe more to it than just, Hey, we like Moses Brown so much. We want to give him a four year contract. I, I, I think there's a little more, um, yeah. What I want to use here, like strategy behind that. What 100%. Um, and I even, th- I mean, get, again, this is a, a season recap series that we're doing here. So I think it's fair to like draw back on previous podcasts that we've done throughout the season. And I remember in some of uh, my individual post games and also some of the group podcasts, all of us together talking about, you know, <laughs> oh, wow, Moses Brown had 2020s, but, you know, then defenses actually start scouting him and it, that went away quickly. You know, that was a, a we didn't see those anymore. <laughs> and it, it, he very much went through a quote unquote slump compared to what he was doing. Um, earlier on when he did get those starting minutes once Al Horford went down um, because he was, wasn't able to adjust to the opposing uh, defenses and <laughs> what they were doing to him because they, they picked up on everything you mentioned, Jacob. But also, I mean, it all comes down to how we individually, us three, view this exercise, right? Like I understand he's not going to be the starting Thunder center of the future, Um I just was like very surprised. I had very low expectations coming in, like extremely low expect again, like the beat expect expectations for Moses Brown, I think. And to see him be able to contribute and just even be serviceable. I'm like, okay, he could be a backup center in the league potentially if he continues to work and develop, which is where my grade came from. If we're like evaluating, if I'm grading his talent overall right now, I'm probably with you in terms of like a D D plus C minus. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, let's move on to the last center, the last one for the night, guys. We are going to talk Tony Bradley. So, Nick, why don't you kick us off with just some Tony Bradley thoughts? He played 22 games for the Thunder after the trade deadline. Um, just, just give us some of your uh, your thoughts on Tony Bradley, and we'll we'll kind of break it down. Yeah, I was sort of underwhelmed by Tony Bradley. I think he's got more skill than Moses Brown. Um, definitely a better passer. He can handle the ball a little bit better. He's, he's more of a, like a decision maker slash facilitator in the paint. Not that he's great at any of those things, any of those things, but just kind of relating it back to Moses. Um, I mean, there's a reason this guy was traded like twice within 72 hours this off season. There's a reason that he played, um, you know, 12 games through his first two seasons. He's only got 11 starts in his entire career. Didn't start a single game for Oklahoma City this season. Played less than 20 minutes a game. Um, I just think, again, he's he's limited in, in the modern center type of, type of scenario that we're looking at these days in the NBA. Like, he just doesn't fit that. He doesn't have a jump shot. Um, I don't know. He's one of those guys that he was just kind of there. And I thought that after acquiring him at the trade deadline, 
he would stand out for Oklahoma City and he would be a guy that even a couple of games you would sit there and say, wow, like this guy could be the starting or the, the, the backup center for this team for years to come. He's a restricted free agent this summer. Um, maybe you sign him to a, a, a decent deal and keep him around for a while. And there wasn't really even, unless I'm forgetting something, guys, I don't even think there was one game. Um, I mean, he was, again, he was solid across the board. I don't think there was one game, though, where I sat back and thought, man, like Tony Bradley showed us some flashes of just excellent stuff tonight. Like it just, it never popped for me. Agreed. I can't. Yeah, think I totally agree with that as well. Tony Bradley also, uh, 23 years old, will be 24 about halfway through next season. So he is much older uh, than, than Moses Brown. And also Tony Bradley, a restricted free agent this summer. Saying he's much older, that feels so weird, only being 23 or 24, but you're exactly right, Jacob. Yeah, he's exactly like two and, right. and a half years older than Moses. It, which is wild. <laughs> That's so wild. Crazy. Yeah, no, so um, in, in comparison to Moses, though, Tony Bradley's per 36 with the Thunder, uh, 17 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, and one and a half blocks a game. Um, different than Moses, uh, his field goal percentage, uh, especially from, obviously from two, neither of them shoot three. Um, but Tony Bradley is 67%, uh, basically makes two thirds of his shots for the thunder this year, which is, uh, I mean, that's pretty impressive. 3.6 field goal attempts or 3.6 makes out of 5.5 attempts. Uh, so he was pretty efficient. Um, but yeah, Nick, I'm with you there. There was never a moment where I said like, Oh wow! Like Tony Bradley could start for this team next year. Um, if Tony Bradley is starting for this team next year, uh, I don't have high expectations for the center position. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that. But something that's kind of interesting, and Nick, this is maybe a question for you, um, but something you kind of mentioned to us, uh, and, and after kind of seeing his quotes from exit interviews, I'm not sure how necessary. And it, it makes sense. I mean, he was traded midseason. Um, to a city he's obviously not very familiar with. And that's obviously not one of the bigger markets, one of the more like glamorous markets in the NBA being Oklahoma city. But in the ex interviews, he didn't necessarily seem thrilled um, about his future in OKC. Now, again, that could just be his personality and this could be waking, looking way too much into it. And I also understand that it's like a small sample size that we got post trade deadline, him coming in um, and, and getting to see him play. But maybe there's a part of him that was almost just kind of going through the motions, just kind of getting through the rest of this weird COVID season being in OKC. And he's going to bounce at the end of this year. And we'll see some like major flashes from him next season somewhere else. I don't know though. Cause like, and just to go back to the exit interviews, he was directly asked, like, do you see yourself in Oklahoma city next year? He never said the word yes or no. in his answer, he kind of said, Oklahoma City was great for the time I was here, but, you know, whatever happens, happens. It wasn't like a, yeah, I loved Oklahoma City. I could totally see myself here, and it wasn't a, yeah, man, just wasn't wasn't a great fit. Like, I'll probably move on. It was it was just kind of a, a punt of an answer. He's also a very monotone guy. Like, he's never the greatest interview. He doesn't give like, super insightful answers. It's always pretty surface level, so it's not shocking. Um but so I, I agree with you, Taylor. Like, I don't know if Oklahoma City is where he wants to be. But on the flip side, just knowing the fact that he's been traded 
um, I guess now three times in the last 12 months. I know he didn't actually Great play. Point. He didn't actually play for three teams, but he was traded three times for, for next to nothing in the twice he was traded this summer. Um, I mean, is there going to be many teams out there that want a 23, almost 24-year-old center that hasn't made it yet? Or are they going to be taking a risk on somebody else? And so maybe Oklahoma City is, is his best option when it comes down to it. I don't know. Um, but I think Jacob's right. If If Tony Bradley is your starting center next year, you're looking at another season where you're projecting another top five pick and, and trying to build onto the roster again. That was such a professional way to say tanking. <laughs> um, all right. All that being said, what, what letter grade are we giving Tony? C. C minus. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go a C on this one as well. So um, before we get out of here then, guys, let's recap our four, because we all kind of gave different grades. So let's recap our four players from tonight, our four centers, and kind of decide on an overall, like where, where are the three teachers and we have to uh, fill out the report card. Uh, what letter are we writing on Mike Muscala's report card when it's all said and done for this year? Something in the B's. Yeah. I think a I'm B gonna, is fair. Yeah, I think I, I was going to say B. Uh, you know, well, I might, I might grade him on the curve, Jacob, and give him a B plus. <laughs> all right, what about Al Horford? <laughs> Where are we going to put Al at? I like him at the exact same. I think he's a, a, another B for what it was. Nick, do you agree with that? Yep. Okay, so Mike and Al both get Bs for the year. I I tend to put, push Al a little bit higher, but I'll I'll go with the flow. We'll go with the B. Uh, with Moses Brown, where do we want to put him at? I'm B going minus C I'm going plus, a D, like a D plus on Moses Brown. Okay, yeah, let's let's so, go C C plus probably on average. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say averaging that absolutely. Okay, so we're gonna go C plus on Moses. Yep. I think that's fair. What can I do to convince you to go down to just a basic C? Not much, honestly. <laughs> Guarantee his contracts. You're gonna you're gonna fight me on this one. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm fine with the C. I'm fine with the C C straight up. We're doing C straight up. I'm making the executive decision. You jerk, <laughs> Tony Bradley. C minus. Then he's got to be lower. Yeah, like a D or a C minus. Oh wow! See, I'd maybe put Tony a little bit higher than Moses. Okay, interesting. You're huh. also anti Moses. <laughs> I have nothing against the guy. I just don't think he's a good NBA player. <laughs> what if we put him at the same? Can we put them both at C's? I think yeah, that's fair. Okay, so we've got B for Mike Muscala, B plus for Al Horford, C for Tony Bradley, C for Moses Brown. I like it. What does that yes. tell you? The Thunder should not by any means draft for positional need in this upcoming draft. It should be best available. But that tells you something. If they had four centers and none of them were higher than B or B+, plus, especially no one that's going to be on the roster next season, it might be time to go find your young center. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, where, like, you know, we've had questions about this a lot, like in our locker room chats. I think, Nick, you did on Monday's locker room chat, but, like, Presley has all these picks and you're not going to be able to draft for one, you know, even lottery talent with all these picks, but also just even in this draft alone, I highly doubt he uses all of those. And that's a different topic for a different time, but that's where you can use some of those picks to go and trade for a center. Once you kind of get your core star pieces in place. Yeah. And I mean, like I think on, on draft night, like what if, I don't know, Orlando lands at number three, they already have two young centers on that roster. 
True. Like what if you could trade five and like a future first or two future firsts to them to jump up to three and you can get Evan Mobley? It's Evan Mobley last past two. I mean, it's the same situation with the Cavs. They've got Jared Allen, who they're extremely high on. Exactly. They can play Larry Nance at the five. If you're smart, you play, or if you're smart, you, you say, see a Jared Allen. We're, we're going to, we're going to take a guy that's on a cheap deal and you can go sign elsewhere. But I could see the Cavs doing the positional thing and saying, maybe we take someone else. Yep. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's all, it all comes down to those lottery balls. Last question, guys, before we hang it up and get out of here. Mike Muscala, Tony Bradley, both free agents this summer. Moses Brown on a non-guaranteed deal. Al Horford uh, looking to get traded. Of those four, you have to choose one that's back in Oklahoma City next summer or next next season. Who is it? Oh God, Moses. Oh, that's tough. He's the only one under under. I mean, Al is under contract, but he's gone. He's the only guy that's under contract, even if it's non-guaranteed. I think I'm going Moses as well because of that reason. Yep. I was going to say Moses. But they're, 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 isn't that crazy? There's a chance that all four of these guys are gone. That's, see, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. There, there's like a realm where I'm not like – I wouldn't be shocked if none of those guys are on this team. But you also need a back – even if you draft a center that you're really excited about and want to develop, you still need a backup. And you also need vets. And like a lot of the Thunder's vets are centers this season, to Nick's point earlier in the podcast. That makes me almost want to lean Mike Muscala. I know, and I almost I almost picked that, but like I, I couldn't just because the Thunder haven't drafted yet, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, it's so many balls are up in the air right now. Ping pong balls. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they won't be in the air for long. Hopefully they'll get snagged out of the little hopper. Beautiful. So let's go ahead and get out of here, guys. Hey, thank you all so much in the locker room uh, for joining us tonight, getting your comments in. We appreciate that. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thank you guys so much. Download the locker room app and come join us as we will be back on here Friday night. Uh, actually, probably Friday afternoon, late afternoon, before the Western Conference uh, playing game between it's looking like it's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies versus uh, whoever loses this Lakers-Warriors game. So we will be hanging out in the locker room again then. And then Sunday night, as always, our typical 9 p.m. Central Time hangouts on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook with our live stream. So make sure you join us there as well. Have a great couple of days. We will be back with you guys soon. Next week, we will break down the power forward. Should be a fun week. We're talking guys like Poku, Baisley, Isaiah Roby. It's going to be a blast. I can't wait. You guys take it easy, and we will talk to you soon. And as always, thunder up.